Hey lovers, welcome to the second episode of Vocal About It. So, for those who are just joining us for the first time, uh, Vocal About It is a podcast that we created to celebrate women of color in Europe, providing a positive representation and just get rid of all the different stereotypes and different racist prejudices that we actually have internalized a lot. And today we are going to talk about women and rage. That's right. Should we maybe begin with the anecdote of what happened about two weeks ago? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have this thing going on for a couple of weeks. We have this tradition that three friends, so three women of color, go and have their Sunday's pasta in a bar that we love very much. And uh, yeah, we just meet there every Sunday, have a recap of the week, what happened, what we liked, what was going on, and yeah, rant about what's happening in the world. It's very precious and very important to us, and we're always very much looking forward to seeing each other. And so also at this Sunday, we were laser focused on, on each other. And we're just like, Argh! I think it was about two, three weeks that we didn't see each other. Actually, yeah. It was post summer and stuff. And yeah, so we were super focused on each other. And in comes a white guy. And uh, I don't even know. I think he came in with the lamest try to hit on us ever, asking something like, are you Canadian? Yeah, or are you from America or something? <laughs> are you from America? And we were just like, okay, no, we're not even going to legitimize it by answering properly. And we're just like... And we made clear physical sign that we did not want to engage. Yes. And we're trying to direct our attention back to the conversation we were just having. But he didn't let us. And he kept provoking and provoking, asking questions, was getting more and more intrusive, always ruder. And we were at one point, we were just like, please leave. Yeah, This is our space. We said no three times. Could you just leave? And then I was wearing my hair open and he asked me, yeah, why are you wearing your hair like that? If you don't want me to whatever hit on you. It was so absurd and I was so infuriated and I so wanted to tell this guy to fuck off. I wanted to get up and be very loud and distinct and just tell him to fuck off and leave my friends and me alone. Have this night that we have been waiting for. And that is our thing. That is our our space where we feel comfortable, where we are just very self-sufficient. We don't need anyone else in this space. But I couldn't do that for all the reasons and all the stereotypes that are out there for angry women of color. Mm -hmm. So if I had stand up and given this guy the adequate reaction and just telling him, look, fuck off, this is not your place. You are rude. You are ruining our night. Go away now. People would have seen me as the attacker. I would be the person who is oversensitive, who is aggressive, who is a threat. Yes, who is a threat? I would be seen as a threat. They would take my victimhood away. They would not see that he initiated a provocation, but only see my reaction to it. And then from this emotional reaction, the whole, the whole shift of focus would be on that on how aggressive I am and that it was very legit that I was angry would be completely swept away. This would not be the point anymore. And so I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about that if I didn't want him to keep on ruining our night. 
And when I uh, posted about this on Twitter, because the next day, as you do, <laughs> I was really pissed about it. And I was like, okay, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to let it out somewhere. And so I did and tweeted a whole thread about this. And then, yeah, another white guy, not only one, came over to give me good advice on what I could have done. Like very, very easy, simple things that I cannot comprehend with my very simple mind. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible how privileged people cannot see all the strings this racist, patriarchal, white supremacist society keeps from just standing up and reacting accordingly. I couldn't. It was completely impossible because of all of the, those stereotypes. And yeah, this made me realize how privileged it is to show rage, to show anger, to show emotion mm -hmm. and yeah, give somebody an adequate reaction. It's crazy. It and that's crazy. actually that's actually an anecdote, but it happens many times. And I think we are at a very shitty intersection again, because as women, we are seen as hysterical if you are too angry. And as person of color, we are not dangerous. So that's basically the worst possible behavior that we can have specifically in front of a white person, which it makes it very tricky. But I think the story is very interesting and it has sort of threefold. Number one is that, again, it proves how the white man feels entitled to any kind of behavior in a place that he feels is its own. So one of the comments that this guy did was like, no, but it's just I never saw you here and I'm here all the time. And like, you know, kind of basically meaning like I own this place. Who the fuck are you? And you come here as a new person and you don't want to talk to me. Are you fucking crazy? And basically not being able to take in the rejection or even just like the not willing to engage with him. That was just too much for him to handle. Number two, um, exactly what you said. Just like as a woman of color, you just there's so many different steps you need to take before actually getting angry because you know that that's just going to backfire on you, which is crazy. And number three, I think, um, lies in my reaction, which was very, I guess, insightful for me in a bad way though because I really was trying to calm shit down so I was trying to explain your behavior to him and I was like no 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 but she just doesn't want to engage you know please like mm. and I was just like even not talking at some point which made me realize how much I've internalized all the like stay quiet don't make a scene don't be a mess like don't start screaming and don't do all that shit um when it's actually so not legitimate and fair that he he could have like throw a chair somewhere nobody would have been shocked people would have just take him tell him to calm down but like would have been a normal just angry white guy yeah but for us to do that then it, like you say it would have shift all the focus so it's really threefold and that's really how many of the situations happen whether it's in the streets whether it's in the hospitals whether it's in at work whether it's in the highest institution it's just we are not entitled to be angry And we want to deconstruct a lot of that in this episode today. Yes, totally. Yeah, so this made me think about how we are like generally seen as angry people. Mm -hmm. Women of color are not only hysterical, but also they are all the time aggressive about something and always like very high-tempered and angry about whatever. And then um, I found this trope of the angry black woman that goes back to slavery where it has its roots where colonizers created this trope in order to make it more legitimate to exploit mm -hmm. black women. Because when they are aggressive, 
when they are more like animals, when they're very dominant and more like men than actually women, then it's way easier to exploit them and to take the humanity of them. And justify that they need to be tamed. Yes, totally. And so when this was the fundament they needed to exploit slave women back then, today this trope makes us seem seem angry about anything all the time. And this is making the causes that we are angry about seem totally ridiculous and seem like something other people wouldn't be angry about. Even though this is, I guess, the case. Racism makes people angry. Taking away your humanity would also make you angry, white dude. This is not something we are irrationally or just because we want or just because we're high-tempered or whatever. We're not just being unreasonable here. Yeah, this is the, those are the very best of reasons to be angry about. Exactly. Yeah, so I think this ridiculing, this playing it down, this marginalizing our anger as something that other people don't really care about, mm -hmm. this also comes back to this trope of the angry black women. And on the other hand, I think it also is very reducing to you can only be this one thing. You're only the angry person. So, for example, I was, when I was a kid at school, I was certainly a wild child and not very easy to handle and also very loud as I am. But I was always seen as the troublemaker. Of course. Um, and I don't think that looking back, also, okay, I might be biased here, but... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I think it's not true that I was the only troublemaker. I was just also very well fitting into the stereotype. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't allowed to be more than that. I was, I was just the angry kid that caused trouble. Yeah, this is how it's reducing your whole character, your whole personality, the whole range of emotions. And yeah... I think in this way, it also strips our humanity away from us. And yeah, this is bullshit. It is bullshit. What's very interesting is that I've really been witnessing more and more talks around women and anger, which is great. So there are many articles. There was one article by Kat Gordon on At Age. Um, named Stop Telling Women to Be Confident, Tell Them to Get Angry. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a book by Rebecca Traister on um, on the catalytic, catalytic? Yes, catalytic power of women's rage that's called Good and Mad. So Raya Chimali just wrote a book um, named Rage Becomes Her, precisely about this topic. And I just think that people are realizing, and women specifically are realizing, that you know what? Fuck controlling our anger. Fuck it, There's, it makes zero sense that this is something that's just made for, for men to express. Yes. Because at the end of the day, what do you do with all the anger that you're just accumulating from, ses from sexist comments and for women of color and accumulation as well of racist comments and just of different interactions that you have in this life that you're just trying to bottle up to please everybody around? That's fucked up. So I think it's really, really interesting and very, very powerful that there's just more and more talks. There's more and more women who are realizing about, you know, about the, the strength and, and the power that getting angry can have. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have to be screaming around. That doesn't have to be going killing people. Um, but you know what? It's just, it's just very, very important to find your way to express your anger. Yes, totally. Also, I think it's it's not legitimate that our rage and anger have such a bad reputation mm -hmm. because um, I feel that 
the anger that I and many of my sisters express are something that is always directed towards change and progress and towards a future that is free of those oppressions Mm -hmm. that are infuriating us today. So it's something that holds great power for overcoming the oppressive state that we are in right now. If you're angry at racism, it means that you are doing something, you're expressing an emotion to overcome it. Mm -hmm. And this anger also holds information that you can share with your sisters and also brothers um, to overcome it together. So just seeing anger as something that is close to hate, I think this is complete bullshit. I think Audre Lorde is the one who made the distinction between anger and hate as hate wants to destroy and kill Mm -hmm. and anger wants to build and create. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think here really lies the the thing that our anger is creating something. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you give us the space and time to act out on this anger and comprehend it and see it in a systematical way, then it can be a function of how difference could look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's so powerful. That's very true. Um, and also, I think if we if we talk about the news lately, I think everybody saw how Serena Williams was was uh, treated on court a few weeks back because of the injustice of the treatment that she received. And she had a very normal behavior of someone who's just very angry at some, something unfair being applied to them. And there were different extremely racist and sexist cartoons of her being like a diva and just being so aggressive about things and blah, 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 blah. And you have Kavanaugh being heard at court and just being furious, crying, having that red face, crazy, talking back to the people in court. But that's that's okay. You see, that's okay. That's where the difference is. That's legit. You know, the guy's angry. His life is about to be ruined. So, like, poor him. We might want to understand how we feel. Blah, 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 blah. But that's actually bullshit. That's double, triple standard. And that's, that's when it's fucked up. I'd like for us to talk about the different things that anger makes us feel. And, like, just what's, what's our relationship with rage? I think it's a contradictory thing. Like, it's paradoxical. There, I believe that I am angry often mm-hmm. because I have many reasons to be angry. This doesn't mean that I'm angry all the time because sometimes I'm also just not. But those intersections of sexism and racism, they there are loads of reasons that society gives me to be angry about. Right. Also, I want to change a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel a lot of anger. But I am trying not to redirect it against myself. Right. And not to swallow it, but to use it in a way that can be useful for others too. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I don't see a point in just like shutting up about it and having this rage that cooked down in my, in my guts. It's actually very unhealthy. Yes, yeah. yes. And being infuriated against myself. I don't see a point in this at all. But in standing up for others, in uh, telling people that this is not cool, this is unjust, this is not how it's supposed to be. And in defending my rights, I'm also kind of defending your rights. Mm -hmm. Um, So stand up for me too. This is the approach that I'm trying to have towards anger because, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that way too many women are told to shut up and swallow it and deal with this kind of bullshit, their emotions privately, 
but it's not a private thing. It's a very public thing that also happens to us all the time. This is not like you choose to be in those kind of interactions that are highly racist or sexist or like violating your integrity all the time. So why should you make it a private thing that it wasn't in the first place? Exactly. Um, so yeah, this is how I'm trying to, to deal with my anger. How about you? Um, so I, I definitely relate to what you said in the terms that you're trying to build something with your anger. So it's not just you being angry at the world and wanting to like sit down in a corner and cry because you're so angry. It's just really getting angry at injustice. I think for me, I had times where, when I was, when I was younger, I was really angry. Like I was angry at my dad for the longest time. And like, I wrote him this letter telling him that I don't want to see him ever again, blah, blah, blah. Um, in the context of a dysfunctional family and not just me being like a, a, you know, a difficult nature. And now I think the more I grow up and the more, I mean, from my point of view, I'm angry about institutional injustice. So it's it's very different. And also, I mean, honestly, I'm 28 now. I just don't want to get angry. Like, it's just ex extremely tiring. Very energivore, as we would say in French. It eats your energy. Totally totally it does and it's just i don't want to let it eat me up so i really try to canalize and just really you know make sense of what my anger is going to bring out because i know that it can be ugly i try to ignore a lot of shit as well because i i had this time where i was wondering the people who i might get angry towards they most probably going to go walk up and you know go to bed and just chill and have another day tomorrow i sometimes like it took it takes me a while to get over myself <laughs> <laughs> Uh -oh, for certain stuff yeah uh so these days i try to not let anything bother me for more than 24 hours like that's my rule oh wow yeah yeah yeah. but if i'm angry though like that's when i'm bothered that's when something bothers me but when i'm angry it can take a bit more time <laughs> and i just think about it and i'm like yeah should i say this and this and that you know how it is so i tried not to let this take up too much of my time and just try to focus on things that are much more constructive But I think, yeah, my relationship with anger is just, yeah, I think I think it's important to let it out. I'm finding new ways of letting it out. I think it's important to acknowledge it. I never ignore my anger. I never try to bury it down. But I just try to deal with it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like I meditate. I try to take a lot of time for myself and trying to stay healthy mentally, which is highly important, I find. Because if you're just even too tired, if you didn't sleep well, you know that the potential of you getting angry is just already much higher. Yeah. So it's all about acknowledging all, all of these things and just managing your, your, your time and your energy and your health, really. Yes, yes, totally. I think there is a great art in it to being able to make the distinction between this thing is not worth it and I'm going to drop it right here, right now, because this is just toxic bullshit and doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to engage and righteously being angry at something that is infuriating you for a reason. One point that I would like to bring up, which I think is also important, is how important empathy is when it comes to anger. I, I read this quote that's super, that I found super, in, like very simple, but quite powerful, is that believe in being nice to people and be even nicer to the people who are mean to you because they need it the most. Mm. And I think, I mean, that's when you reach a crazy high level of empathy. Mm -hmm. 
but I, I also read this book back in when I was in when I was in school that's called The Diamond Cutter and I, I mean it's a very American book about success and other things but what it taught me and that was quite interesting and that I tried to apply to my life is this metaphor about the diamond that you might go to the bank and see that lady at the reception and she is going to be absolutely salty to you like super nasty not, not even saying hi and stuff like that and so you have two options you can either be angry back at her because she's being extremely rude to you or you can ask yourself maybe she just lost her husband maybe she just learned bad news maybe she's about to lose her job and she knows about it and there are many different reasons that makes her react the way she is and when you think that way you're just like you know what this is not worth my energy i don't know where this person is coming from so i'm not going to let her take me down with her where she is and then you just i think really try just yeah shift your mind towards more empathy and positive shit and focusing on stuff that matter to you mm-hmm. i think that's really important wow that's such an important mm-hmm. point and so i mean i'm not quite sure if i'm there yet also i don't want to be there yes. yeah, at all times yeah, yeah. Of course. I c- i'm not i'm just not the pope yeah i'm not that christian exactly. that i can also afford it to be empathetic to all to all the shit bags mm-hmm. that come across my you cannot and Those are like more than, and I think more than the Pope has to handle. So, <laughs> probably, yes. yes, most probably they're just like everywhere, and being empathetic with all of them would really eat me alive. Mm-hmm. So I'm really trying to be empathetic to people who might be going through a hard time because you never know what they are carrying with them yeah. and what they just went through. So I'm trying not to be impulsive about something like mm-hmm. that. But also, I, I really can't afford to be empathetic with everyone in the way that I'm trying to see, okay, is this person maybe aggressing me because of their difficult childhood? I think there is a bias in society to empathizing with white male and to trying to find out what went wrong in their lives, why they are so angry. Mm-hmm. But never looking at the ones who are the target. People of color, women, refugees, whatever. People with disabilities. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking at how they persist and how they resisted. And how did they not, feel? And not became the angry extremists, but who resisted all that, even though they went through so much. So the sympathy with one group, but with all the others, not at all. I think this is really... There is a huge bias out there and gaining empathy is also a question of privilege. That is very true. That is very true because we don't get to have that luxury actually. And we are right away are going to be judged for the behavior that we have without anybody empathizing with us. That's very true. So what we also wanted to talk about today is how we are trying to get rid of our anger and how we are actually canalizing it because as we said it shouldn't stay in the body all the time and one of my strategies to deal with anger is ranting on twitter about it Mm. Mm -hmm. and we should do very well (laughs) (laughs) too much and uh, transforming anger into information right yeah so i recently read a very interesting thread on twitter about how, unfortunately, I forgot the user. I'm going to mention it 
later on, about how women of color are categorizing their experiences, whether or not they know that they were racist. So the ones who understood that they were embedded in a racist structure, they could see them as they were. They could see that this was not something personal against them. That was not because they behaved in a certain manner that had provoked a racist slur or not, that there was nothing wrong with them, but that the racism they experienced stemmed from the determination of the racist from his ideology, but had only so much to do with them as persons, because racism isn't personal. It's a systematic ideology. But the ones who didn't know how to categorize it, who didn't know to call this as one part of a of a racist system, of a racist structure, were very contradictory in integrating those experiences in their self-image, in their lives, and what to do with them. And so it was having a, a severe impact on how they saw themselves and how they dealt with it, because they couldn't say yeah, this was racist and now this takes some psychological pressure from me because it doesn't have so much to do with myself. And this made me think so much and is a great motivation for me to tell those stories that I experience because I hope that people out there who go through the same thing will see, ah, okay, I see the story in my story. I recognize a pattern. This can't be random. Mm -hmm. So it's systematic. So... It's not my fault. And I'm not alone. Yeah, and this is the one thing, intellectually, transform rage into into information. And the other thing is, in terms of sport, I heard of so many women of color who are doing martial arts. Ultra cool. Yeah. So I think, on the one hand, self-defending, and on the other, dealing with rage. Just getting it out of there. Everything you had to soak up, you can just, boom, get rid of it. And I did that for half a year. I went boxing, and that was incredibly cool mm -hmm. that was super exhausting but in the best way possible yeah. it gives you strength and it lets you let it out let it completely out and that was really great and i can only recommend it to every sister out there yeah. to try something like that too amazing well i think sports wise and i think that's definitely one i mean if you're lucky to be able-bodied uh, it's really really one of the most powerful thing that you can do to let it out as well i i personally swim which tires the fuck out of me which is amazing and i just li literally just leave the swimming pool and i just go to bed uh, and i sleep like a baby which is nice and i also just started playing squash actually with another girlfriend of color sedan if you listen whoop, whoop. and we are actually there yesterday and we're already getting so much better at this yes. it's amazing yeah and we're just very loud you know when we're like Ugh! and we sweat the fuck out of ourselves it's just so tiring but after a long day at work which is sometimes frustrating and you face you know different kind of shits it's just really 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 an amazing way to get the energy out and just really focus on something positive and just actually don't think about anything mm -hmm. which is super yeah. i think another very important way for me to channel that energy and sometimes anger is my activism actually mm -hmm. so my mom would take me on protests from i think when i was like four or five And she always made sure that my sister and I knew that if there was something that made us angry, if we found any kind of injustice somewhere, we had the tool of creating a group, going down in the street, protesting about it, making sure that we have a voice somehow in the public space, in the institutional spaces as well, and making sure that our voices are heard, which I thought was very powerful. And that's something I take with me to this day. 
And so even like, I mean, my mom obviously was was just crazy working, always having one or two side hustles and running around. So when she couldn't just be with us, she would let us stay with uh, one of her girlfriend, who I remember very well, who was a super activist as well. And she would take us on protest. And that's fine. Like, we're just, you know, so taking turns. And that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this is so cute. I love it. And so, I mean, it makes sense that then, you know, when I was in high school and there was, I mean, we're talking about friends here, yes? Protest is like part of our DNA. And when there was any kind of protest for the high school, for the education system, I would be one of the first to just like make sure that the high school is closed and that we just go and all protest together and that we just talk shit to the director and just express uh, whatever we feel is unfair. I was also very early involved in uh, all the protests against violence on women. And I think within the first seven days that I moved to Brussels, I was I went to the Pride, which to me is some form of protest. And it's just a, a beautiful, amazing and very powerful walk for love, which is superb. And I went to the protest against uh, Trump coming for the NATO summit. Ah, nice. Yeah. And like I went alone. Like I was determined. I do not need a group <laughs> to go and protest. But I just want to make sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I'm there and that my voice is heard. And I believe that if there are so many things that make you angry, you can't just afford to stay on the couch and just rant about it in front of your TV, yeah? So I really, really believe in the power of protesting, actually. So there's that. And then writing as well. It's like I, I used to I used to write a lot. I write much less these days. But uh, just even keeping up a journal of, you know, how you felt today, your emotions, what you want to change for tomorrow or for the next week and stuff. I think just monitoring your emotions can be very powerful, especially if you're, if you're on the way to, you know, healing or getting better if you're into therapy, that you can just look back and see how you've evolved. I think can be can be very powerful yes. as well. Yes, for having a chronology mm -hmm. of what actually happened, because I think this really also helps you to find your place in time and space mm -hmm. uh, and see what happens and how something went better or worse. Or I think it puts a lot in, in perspective. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I can also very much recommend keeping a journal not only digitally on Twitter or a blog, but also just very privately for yourself. I've been keeping a journal for a year now and I finished two books. Wow. Yeah, I really think that it helped me to put everything into the right perspective mm -hmm. because you can always go back and see what did I do one month ago at the same exact day. And that's a very cool thing to see how you're evolving and how you're gaining strength and resilience. And yeah, I think that's a very powerful and cool thing. And I can only recommend it. Dope. Super cool. Nice. Uh, I just want to make a quick mention of Adama Traoré because I talked about him during the last episode. And there was a few different legal conclusions that went out about basically the police of the police and the medicine of the police reaffirming that Adama Traoré died basically because of himself. So I just want to remember real quick that he's an innocent black man who was killed by the police two years ago. And, and uh, his sister, Asa Traoré, is fighting for justice for two years now. And it's, it's a big family and all the different brothers of Adama Traoré are currently in jail for ridiculous reasons just because they're trying to silence the family. I cannot express how angry that made me when I saw that article yesterday. I was like, yo, there's no justice. It's unbelievable. Now they're claiming that he had some condition already and that's why he stopped breathing. He had like fucking six policemen on top of him. That's around 250 kilos. Who's going to survive that shit? And that made me extremely angry. I'm not even going to lie. 
Now, I know that there's a protest going to happen on the 13th of October across Paris, which I think is powerful. But just sharing the articles, talking about it with other girlfriends of color, with my mom, just really helped me channel that anger. But it's tough because when you when you see a lot of different extremely unfair and sad news, specifically when it comes to people who look like you, it's just really, really hard to channel. But I think, you know, all the different things that we mentioned, just go for a swim, go for a run if you can, talk to other people if that's what makes you feel better. Meditate if you just need some calm around yourself. Go and eat all the junk food if you know that that's going to make you feel better for that one hour of time, you know, and just really make sure that you acknowledge and uh, practice some self-care. Yes, because people who live radical lives need radical self-care. And Love this. Yes, so I repeat cool. this over and yes. over because, yeah, I think this whole like self-care uh, discussion that it's something that is very privileged and For us, this is not true. For us, we need this time to take a break from whatever society is throwing at us all day, every day. So this discussion, this really isn't our cup of tea because mm -hmm. we really need to get a rest so that we can keep on fighting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, girl. We have a couple of inspiring women of color that we want to present yes. to you. Speaking of rage, I would like to talk about Cécile Junja, who is a Belgian TV presenter, who is not talking about anything political at all. She is presenting the weather. Also, she happens to be a black woman, which sparked outrage since day one in her job. And now, one year later, she shared a video about how much racist bullshit, how many racial slurs she has to deal with all day, every day. And this video was was seen by over two million people on Facebook. I don't think that it really got that out of Belgium. So we are talking about it here again, because talking about your anger online is also a question of privilege, because you get so much backfire for it when you are a person of color and a woman that you also have to be able to deal with that so this is shouting out for all the people who take the risk anyways who go out there and say no i'm going to tell the story i'm going to make it public and i'm going to show that some countries aren't that progressive after all but that a weather presenter can spark outrage and maybe some countries have to look into their past how they acted out on colonialism mm -hmm. how they integrated this in their national image and what they are teaching their citizens and how this is reflecting in everyday society this is not something anybody should deal with privately because this is something of public interest and value. And so this was the whole discussion. You can read the uh, Guardian article about it called Cecile Junja. It hurts, so we must talk about racism in Belgium. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a really important point that shows how much Belgium has not decolonized its education, that people feel super entitled and they feel like it's super normal to call the TV channel and say, who's that nigger on TV? Every day. That's actually crazy when you think about it. And I think it's very brave from her to have done that because reality is, unfortunately, when you take the stand and when you stand up for yourself and talk about things like this so openly, so publicly, there's this is a high risk. Like you can literally get fired from your job. There's many different things that can happen to you. In that specific case, everything went well. I'm putting air quotes here. Uh, the owner of the TV channel even supported her publicly and stuff. So, I mean, that's I guess that's a happy end kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, but it's true what she said in Belgium. People do not know anything about colonization or immigration. 
They feel it's all the fault of foreigners. And I think in Belgium we have a problem in that we never explained the truth about colonization and it should be told in the schools. Mm -hmm. yes. Preach. All right. So I'd like to talk about actually two British women of color today. One that we super cherish and love and she will be in Vocal About It one day. That's her goal. <laughs> that's Rennie Edder-Lodge. I want to talk about her book that's called Why I No Longer Talk to White People About Race because that was honestly life-changing for me in the sense that I could so much relate to every single point that the books make. And there is a part of anger actually and about being angry and how you cannot afford this, uh, which was super, super insightful. I think every white person sh should read this as well because it's extremely insightful on how we view our lives and how different intersections comes into our lives at work, uh, our activism, our sex lives, our dating life, our political lives. And it was just, yeah, extremely powerful and I highly recommend. There's also a podcast that she launched that's called About Race. So Rennie Edelodge, cheers to you. The second one is Sukina Douglas. Uh, she's a British poet and performer and she's amazing. She's extremely talented, very powerful. She actually came to Bazaar to Brussels. Uh, you know, there was like this whole week or two around around the next generation and how like it's important to provide them with tools to protest and be angry and change things and stuff like that. And she basically very much believes in the power of words. And she, for example, organized a poetic pilgrimage through a city that was wounded to its core. That's how she says. And she says, as that dark as it may be, when I find the poetry, I find myself, which I think is very, very pretty. Uh, she wears the hijab. She does spoken word and hip hop, goes around the world to give poetry workshops in the US, in UK, in South Africa, Sweden, Morocco, Belgium. And she just really wants to inspire people with the power of words, which I think is super. And I actually dropped her and not today to tell her that I'll be talking about her in the podcast. And she was like, oh my God, lovely, so honored. I'm like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> So we had a moment. We had a moment. Yes. Very cool. Is that it for today, darling? Yeah, wait a second. I actually yeah. had a I had a Audrey Lord's quotes Ooh, that yes. I really I, I really thought that this was so powerful. Mm -hmm. So every woman has a well-stocked arsenal of anger, potentially useful against those oppressions, personal and institutional, which brought that anger into being. Focused with precision. It can become a powerful source of energy, serving progress and change. And when I speak of change, I do not mean a simple switch of positions or a temporary lessening of tensions, nor the ability to smile or feel good. I'm speaking of a basic and radical alteration in those assumptions underlining our lives. And I found that so cool so and so nice. strong that I really wanted to it's share this. Good. It is incredible. Yeah. Please go ahead and read Sister Outsider, which is a collection of essays and speeches by Audre Lorde, a woman of color, also a lesbian and a poet. And this is incredible work and it's going to open up your eyes and show you a completely new reality. And yes, go ahead, read this book, check out all the women of color that we recommended today and tune in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Vocal About It. If you enjoy our real talk, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, share us on your platforms and make sure to follow us for updates on Twitter under the handle at vocalabout underscore it. If you have any questions, no cool women of color we should celebrate or host, drop us a mail at vocalaboutit at gmail.com. See you next week.